0: Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and craft of nature photography. It is the 14th of September, 2021, and this is podcast number 20. I've got a few things to talk about on this episode, so bear with me a little bit. Uh, it might be a longer episode than normal. We'll just see how we go. Um, I've had um, quite a few more emails over the last couple of weeks asking me, you know, again, what's going on here in Australia with the COVID situation. And I think we'll just talk about that first and get that that out of the way. The situation here is that we have around... Uh, around about somewhere between fifteen hundred cases and and just under two thousand cases per day of COVID in New South Wales. That's the state that's sort of north of where I live. In the state where I live in Victoria, we've currently got sub five hundred cases per day. So still very very low by world standards. But our governments have more or less given up here on I think trying to contain it. And at this point, they're really going for well, they're really going for vaccination um, rates at the highest levels possible. So. As of a couple of days ago, vaccination opened up to any kids over the age of 12. So both my kids have now had their first dose of vaccine. In fact, my daughter's having her second dose today. So that's a, that's a very good thing. Um, our vaccination rates here are creeping up, but really I think, you know, everyone, government, especially here is continually talking about the vaccination percentage, but the percentage isn't really what matters. What really matters is. Uh, you can open up when everyone who wants a vaccine has got a vaccine. You really sort of can't open up before then, regardless of what the percentage might be. So uh, despite the fact that that's all that the uh, government is talking about, it really doesn't matter too much. I mean, the lockdown situation here is is continuing the way it was. We're still restricted to this five kilometre limit from home. You're not supposed to leave home unless you're going shopping or to get some exercise for a couple of hours. Masks are mandatory uh, everywhere outside of the house, whether it's outdoors or indoors. No family gatherings are allowed. Um, I mean, the list sort of goes on with uh, with the restrictions. They are pretty heavily enforced. Not really in the area where I live, but certainly in in the, the city areas and things like that. There's reports on our news every day about people getting arrested or being fined for doing the wrong thing, not wearing masks. Uh, having events where they shouldn't have events. The fines have been steadily increasing. I think it's $500 now if you get caught not wearing a mask. And I think if you're holding some sort of gathering event outside where you're not supposed to, I think some of those fines might run north of 5000 or $10,000 even. It's pretty crazy. So most of the stores and shops here are shut. Some of the takeaway uh, food stores are open for uh, takeaway only. You can't eat in anywhere. You've You've got to take out. You go to the shopping centre, all, this, all the uh, food malls are basically closed. If they are open, again, it's takeaway only. You go to the shopping centre, anything that's not a food store is basically closed and has been for weeks. So, I mean, it's, it's driving many, many businesses here in Australia either to the brink of going under or having already gone under. And our government seems to believe that uh, the only way out of this situation is uh, through lockdown uh, look, the lockdowns did kind of work initially, but, um, now with this new Delta variant that spread so easily, it doesn't seem to be the case. And we can't seem to get it under control here. So it's kind of a never ending pandemic, really. I mean, it just seems to go on and on and on. We go in and out of lockdown. I think this is lockdown number six or seven. Now I actually can't even remember. It's just, it's been going on for so long. You know, in three weeks time, I'm supposed to be getting on a plane and going to Finland. For my workshop up there for wolves and wolverines on the Russian border. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm just hoping that everything stays in place for that trip and that I can actually go and, and make that uh, make that happen. I'm so super keen, super excited for that. I mean, at the moment, the um the border restrictions on Finland, and I think we'll move off COVID. That's enough talking about COVID for a while. It's all we hear about on the news. So just talking about Finland now, the the current restrictions in Finland are that. Finland is open to travellers who have been double vaccinated. I think uh, your last vaccine dose has to have been at least 14 days. And that's currently the situation until the 19th of this month. And then there'll be an update on the Finland borders uh, website. And hopefully it's going to stay the same. And uh, I'll be flying out a couple of weeks later for Finland and um, spending at least a month overseas, probably more, because uh, um, as I've said in one of my earlier podcasts, at the moment, coming back into Australia, I will be required to do two weeks hotel quarantine. So I don't really want to do that. Uh, I can't actually even get a flight back into Melbourne where I live. I have to fly back into Queensland, which is uh, up in the northern part of Australia, and uh, then transit back down to Melbourne on a, on a flight. Now, probably what will happen is I'll have to do two weeks hotel quarantine in Queensland, which really appeals to me even less than having to do it here in Melbourne. So my plan is to probably stay in Finland uh, until such time as that restriction eases here in Australia and then return uh, return at that point in time. I don't mind spending a bit more time in Finland. It's a beautiful part of the world, especially as it's coming into winter at that time of the year. Spectacular time to be out photographing in, in the forest there. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, about equipment, uh, for this trip and, and what I'm planning to take with me. I did a very, very lengthy post recently. In fact, I'll put a link to it in the show notes on camera bags and the problems of traveling with camera bags when you fly internationally or even domestically for that matter. Uh, and you know, when you want to be able to travel in comfort, but you also want to be ready to go at the other end. It's very, very difficult. Now, I long ago gave up, I won't repeat my whole podcast, but the whole uh, blog post, but I long ago gave up uh, walking through airports with backpacks. I just find them too uncomfortable. You know, it's, it seems uh, every time I catch a plane that the gate that I need to walk to is at the very other end of the airport. So it's always quite a long walk, and backpacks are very heavy when they're full of gear and they're just not very comfortable or convenient in airports. So for years now, I've been using rollers to move my gear through airports and then repacking that gear back into a backpack when I get to the other end. Now, that's that's fine, but it necessitates a second piece of luggage to pack a backpack into, which again is a bit of a pain when you're moving through airports having to always pick up two pieces of checked luggage. So... I'm trying a new system for Finland. I've purchased one of these new um, SKB hard cases. It's very similar to a Pelican case. Uh, if you've seen Pelican cases before, this looks almost identical. The only difference really is it's uh, it's got slightly better engineered uh, closing clasps uh, from the Pelican cases. I've got several Pelican cases here that I store my equipment in. And SKB, this company that makes these cases in the US, has partnered up with Think Tank Uh, who make camera bags and basically they've provided a number of different options for inserts for this uh, case. Now the case is a roller, it meets airline carry-on restrictions. I've opted for the carry case insert so inside that I can fit my 600 millimetre f4 i could fit two canon 1dx mark threes and i've also got a 16 to 35 and 24 to 70 in there so quite a quite a bit of glass particularly because there's a 600 millimeter in there as well so that's got rollers that bag and i'm going to use that uh, in combination with my guru gear chobi uh, which i'll probably put a 70 to 200 in as well uh, and roll that through um Roll that through the airport, and then the nice thing is I can just lift the carry out insert uh, out at the other end, so that we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's a little bit different to what I normally do. I, I normally pack a backpack, and I'm not doing that in this case, so I'll be able to travel with just the one piece of check luggage, which um, I'm really looking forward to that'll be that'll be nice not having to uh, fight two pieces of check luggage all the time. so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, it'll be nice too to travel with a, a hard case like a pelican. these SKB and Pelican cases. Are extremely tough. I mean, they're basically indestructible. So once I can put that in the overhead, I don't need to worry about it being crushed by anybody else's bag. And as I say, it meets airline carry on restrictions. What's um, What's really cool about it is it's quite heavy in and of itself. I think empty uh, the SKB with the Pelican, in, with the, sorry, with the Think Tank insert in it is about, um, I think it's just about six kilos actually. But what's really cool is, you know, if I get challenged for weight, uh, I can easily lift the insert out, check the hard case and just carry the insert onto the plane. And and I've saved myself about four kilos, four and a half kilos. So that's pretty cool. Um, I like that very much. We'll see how it goes. You know, there's never no such thing as a perfect camera bag. Uh, It's always about Uh, picking something that's right for the sort of the trip that you're planning to do and in this case for me i think this should work quite well as i don't have any uh any real hiking i need to do on this trip um i'm planning to uh we drive pretty much from where we're staying to our to our hides and it's a very short walk of sort of under 100 meters so i'll be very easy to manage the equipment on on this trip this way and we'll see how it uh, see how that goes uh to the canon uh, eos r3 that has been announced today officially announced today i should say that the the specifications have leaked some time ago so i predicted very early on i think it was in my first or second podcast that this camera would fall somewhere between 20 and 30 megapixels i think i said uh, at the time being a sports and wildlife camera and that's exactly where it's come out at it's come out at 24.1 which is exactly what i expected i'm very very keen to get one of these cameras and try it i think with the autofocus system that's inside that camera that is the real differentiator for me and that's what appeals to me a lot yes it's nice to have the backside illuminated sensor but really it's the animal eye autofocus that is uh got the appeal for me that's not a feature that's currently in my 1dx mark ii i'm really hoping we get that from canon they could easily do it, I think, with a firmware update down the track. Um, so I'm hopeful that we'll see that. I mean, Canon have been very specific in the language that they have used around the R3 that it does not a replacement for the 1DX Mark III. You know, it, it, they're saying that it very very much fills the gap between a 1DX Mark III and an, and an R5. Uh, however, you know, in some areas, I think it will probably surpass the 1DX Mark III and I think autofocus is probably going to be one of those. And that's pretty amazing because the 1DX Mark III's autofocus is really, really incredible. I think the R3 will surpass it only in the fact that it has animal IAF in it. Um, I think that's something that I'm really very excited to try in the field. I really was hoping to get my hands on that camera before I go to Finland. I spoke to Canon Australia today about it. Uh, they have all the information about it, but they're saying, look, they're probably not going to have any in the country before November, uh, and I will be looking to come back into Australia around November. So hopefully that camera might be waiting for me when I get back. I have no idea what it's going to cost here in Australia yet. We know it's $6,000, so what is that, about 500 cheaper than a 1DX Mark III. A uh, 1DX Mark III in here in Australia is around about eleven, eleven and a half thousand dollars dollars So I think this camera is going to come in somewhere around the ten. Maybe nine triple nine um Australian dollars, potentially as high as ten and a half grand, somewhere in that sort of ballpark. And that's really what I expected from the beginning. I think this was never going to be around the R5 in price. And I know some people were hoping it would be, but I think that was just wishful thinking. So I think what we're looking at now with the R3 and the specifications that have fully dropped is we are effectively looking at the body of the R1 when it's released down the track. But uh, it, no doubt, will have a few different features. I think it will be a high megapixel camera, um, probably around 50 or even as high as 60 megapixels uh, when that camera is announced or development announcement then finally announced. Who knows when that will be? I don't think it will be this year. I actually think we won't see an R1 until the next Olympics, and that's traditionally been the cycle for one series cameras is is every four years. But I think that that camera, when it comes, as I say, will be a higher megapixel camera. Uh, it's also likely to have two um, CFast um, sorry CF Express card slots instead of just one. That's really the big Achilles heel, I think, of the EOS R3. I'm disappointed that Canon went with uh, one CF card and one uh, SD card. I really would've loved to be able to write to two CF cards at the same time. I've already talked about the articulated screen, so I won't really say much more about that uh, here. Suffice to say, I would've preferred the camera didn't have it, but it does. I just probably won't use it most of the time, and that's fine. So as I say, I won't be uh, getting my hands on this camera before I go to Finland, so there's not much point in uh, talking more about it for now. I think there'll be a whole bunch of YouTube videos over the next week that are released as um, people release uh, videos that uh, they've been under NDA on. And no doubt people have more to say about this as as a tool for wildlife and sports photography. And I think we have to keep in mind that that's where this camera sits. It sits squarely in sports and wildlife and you know no doubt we'll see people lamenting and bashing the camera for not being high megapixel but really it's not trying to be nature and wildlife photographers and sports photographers we don't need or want high megapixels 20 to 24 is heaps for what we do so very very happy from that it's that's what it's coming with so I think we can probably wrap it up there. That's most of what I wanted to talk about today. If you're interested in checking out that long blog post I did on flying with camera gear, as I said, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can have a look at that. Um, it might be worth a read if you travel internationally. Uh, the next... Um, thing I really wanted to talk about was the equipment I'm going to take to Finland. I've touched on that when I've discussed the new SKB and Think Tank case that I'm taking with me. Uh, I think that pretty much will be it for me in terms of equipment for Finland. Uh, I'm not going to be packing a tripod uh, just my fluid head, which I can uh, use inside the hide. We have some um, shelves set up that that can sort of just get bolted to, so it's, that allows me to save a little bit of weight when I'm travelling. Uh, I do like to take a couple of wide-angle lenses for this part of Finland. There's some spectacular landscape around the lakes, so uh, always love to do that, especially this time of year when the temperature is dropping in Finland too. There's a lot of morning mists and, and fogs and it's very atmospheric. Extremely beautiful. At the moment, uh, here in Melbourne, the temperature is starting to come up now with spring, so it's going to be a great time to be getting out of here. It's going to feel like a prison break after being stuck in this country for what is now, what is it? Nearly two years, a year and a half, 18 months, something like that. I tell you, I can't wait to get on a plane and get out of here. Um, it's It really is starting to feel like a prison in this country. They're talking about easing travel restrictions towards the end of this year. We'll see if that happens or not. I, I really have my doubts that travel international travel into and out of Australia is going to properly reopen this year. I think it's going to be well into next year. One final thing to cover off for today, we've gone over quite a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to talk about Mongolia for a moment. I have a workshop, an expedition to Mongolia that is scheduled for December this year. That is scheduled to run in two parts, actually. The first part was for Palace Cat and the second part for Snow Leopard. Now, the travel restrictions in and out of Mongolia vary depending on whether you look at the Australian Mongolian embassy website or whether you look at some of the other uh, Mongolian websites. At the moment, though, my understanding is that uh, travel in and out of Mongolia is pretty much by charter aircraft only and that many of the provinces uh, have restricted travel, so that's very problematic for this uh, particular trip. So I have my doubts that the Mongolia trip in December will go ahead. We'll see. Won't make a final call on that till later next month. But um, if you're booked on that trip, I'll be keeping you up to date, um, and we'll be seeing what ha- what uh, what transpires with that um, that trip and travel restrictions. So that's it for today. We'll wrap it up there. I'm Josh. It has been the fourteenth of September two thousand and twenty-one, and I look forward to seeing you out in the field.